This morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Proverbs, which we started uh, last week. Miguel did a great job of kicking us off looking at Proverbs chapter 1. A couple things as we jump back into this. There are really a number of ways that you can uh, pursue wisdom this summer, along with this sermon series. And the first is this. Miguel mentioned it, and we sent this out in the newsletter this week. Uh, Read through the book of Proverbs a couple times this summer if you can. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book. uh, So if you read a chapter a day for two months straight, you'll get through the book twice. Today's the 13th, so you'd be reading chapter 13. And you might say, well, how do I start now? I'll tell you what. Reading the first 12 chapters actually won't take you that long if you need to catch up. Or if you just want to start on 13, start on 13. Um, But it's a great way to to get God's word in your heart and be familiar with what we're talking about from week to week. So that's number one is read Proverbs. The second thing that we sent out in the newsletter is uh, we would also love this to be a a summer of Q&A. This is actually open all the time. But if you read a proverb or hear something on Sunday and you have a question about it, send me an email. Uh, I'd love to get as many questions as I can. And and if we can uh, try to address some of those uh, on Sunday mornings as much as possible. So my email is on the church website. It's also, I think, on the back of your bulletin. Uh, so it's marcus at trinityefca.com. And by the way, for those of you watching online, uh, that's a great way also to interact. And if you've got any questions about Proverbs, send those in. I know the Proverbs sometimes you can really start scratching your head and say, I thought this proverb told me to do this, but now this one's telling me to do that. So I'd love to address as many of those as we can. Uh, And then the third one is this, just if you've never studied Proverbs or wisdom literature before, there's a great resource called The Bible Project, thebibleproject.com, and they have a summary video of every book in the Bible. So I would encourage you to go there and watch the one on Proverbs. It kind of ties all the themes together, helps you see how the whole book fits together, and I think really sets you up to understand what God's trying to show us uh, from week to week. So uh, you can do that. If you have the weekly email, the links for those things are in the weekly email. Uh, you can actually find the weekly uh, newsletter online on our website under resources, um, and all that should be there. Angel does a great job of making all that uh, easy to find, and so uh, please take part in that. Today we're going to continue by looking at Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And the title of our message today is Hearing Voices. Hearing Voices. Now when you hear that phrase, you might say, you're hearing voices in your head. That's not usually a positive thing, right? Um, But here's how I want to start us off. See this picture, a picture of uh, fans gathered at a ballpark. So something we were able to do this summer that we weren't able to do last summer is actually play Little League Baseball again. So I've got an eight-year-old son and a five-year-old son, as well as uh, I have a, a sixth-grade daughter who played softball. So we're playing ball this spring, and it was great to be able to get back out in the park. Um, and I still remember one game we went to. We got done with Mac's game, and we went over to watch a friend play on the other ball field. And we're watching there. These are some older boys, and uh, there's parents sitting in the, in the stands screaming and yelling at their kids. Well, a line drive ball gets hit right over the shortstop's head, lands right out there in left field. Left fielder goes running up. There's a runner on second who's now running to third. And that poor kid, I promise you, there were a thousand people telling him what to do. You could hear, you could hear one person saying, go, go, go. Another person said, slide, you got to slide. Another person said, go home, go home. And I thought, what is he going to do when he gets to third base? And then on top of that, You got the other team's fans who are yelling at the outfielder, throw to third, throw home, and just all these voices. What happens is that the ball gets thrown to third, but it gets overthrown. And so then the kid's trying to decide, now what do I do? He ends up going home, 
Catcher runs over, grabs the ball, throws it to the pitcher who's covering home, and he gets tagged out at home, okay? So he listened to the wrong voice. Uh, but I'm not sure anybody really knew what the right voice was in that situation. All that to say, when you listen to all those voices at a ballpark, if you're a kid, I mean, you can be an adult playing professional baseball for that matter. If you listen to any one of those voices, you could get the wrong message and end up failing uh, in your in your endeavor. The success of being a, the, the the possibility of being a successful player means listening to the right voice, listening to the voice of your coach, and going back to the training and the practice that you've had uh, to prepare for that game. And I would suggest to you that when we look at the Book of Proverbs, it's the same thing: the success of how you walk through life, the success of how you walk with Jesus, is dependent on listening to the right voice. And that, as we find out in Proverbs 9, is the voice of wisdom. Um, what we're going to look at here in this chapter is really we have two invitations. Two invitations. You know, June is the month of weddings, typically, right? A lot of weddings. A lot of you, how many of you have an anniversary in the month of June? Anybody in here? Nobody. Wow. Okay. Kills my theory. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of times we get invited to a lot of weddings in June. And, and so you get these invitations and it says you are invited to attend. And so today in Proverbs 9, we have an invitation, actually two invitations, uh, that actually exclude each other. Have you ever had that happen where you get invited to the same party, uh, two parties on the same day? And you have to decide which one am I going to go to? I don't want to make this person mad. I don't want to miss out. So we've got two invitations here in chapter 9. Uh, and really uh, the first nine chapters of Proverbs... The first nine chapters of Proverbs put together are one big invitation to follow the way of wisdom. There's a bunch of speeches in there, a bunch of things in there in those first nine chapters that introduce and say, here's what wisdom is, and you've got to go this way. Don't go the other way. And it's just an invitation to follow the way of God's wisdom. And we see that in a powerful way here in chapter 9. Chapter 9 is actually the shortest book, or the shortest chapter in the whole book, uh, 18 verses. It's divided into three sections. Uh, we're loosely going to follow that this morning. The first six verses are an invitation uh, to wisdom. Then there's a response given right in the middle, kind of the heart of the chapter. And then the last one is our second invitation that we'll see when we get there. So invitation from wisdom, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 6 uh, to start us off here this morning. Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 through 6 says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple... Let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So what we see in these verses is this invitation to wisdom. And really it's an invitation from wisdom. Wisdom herself is saying, Come and, and join me. And this is what we call in scripture personification. Okay, we have this idea of wisdom, this thing called wisdom, which Miguel did a good job of describing for us last week. Wisdom is this idea of living skillfully. And the only way you can do that is to follow the things that God has laid out for you, the way that God has laid out for you. And so this thing called wisdom, we are now making a person, a person who's calling out to us and she's inviting us to join her. We call that personification. 
But look at these descriptions in those first couple of verses of, of kind of how she describes what she's doing. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Now, in the ancient world, a house is a, is a, is a fixed structure. You can tell she's carefully built it. In fact, it says seven pillars. Seven is the number of perfection. So she has perfectly prepared this place called wisdom. She lives in a place that's been perfectly prepared. Her house is a picture of perfection. The next thing we see is it says she has this excellent food that's prepared. She's slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set out her table. What I love about that little section here is when she's giving us this invitation, she says, she says what I'm offering you here is excellent food. And I've worked hard to prepare it. It's better than anything you'll find anywhere else. I've got it all laid out. Come and partake. Come and take. You know, this really echoes uh, chapter 8. In fact, chapters 8 and 9 are really good right together. Chapter 8, we also have wisdom. Uh, look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. That picture of wisdom being a person who's just crying out to you and saying, Come to me. This reminds me of uh, when I was um, on a mission trip in Peru. We walked through this marketplace. Uh, and it was amazing that all this fresh vegetables, all this amazing embroidered blankets and clothes and things. Uh, and then they also had the fish part of the market that didn't smell so good, the fish and the meat. But all these people who were selling their stuff were standing there saying, hey, come over here, come over here. I've got the best fish you could possibly get. There was even one lady I remember who would walk up and like started putting a necklace around your neck and then say, you have to pay me for it. Um, and I thought that was pretty aggressive sales tactic. But all these people crying out and saying, buy my things. And what we have here is a picture of wisdom saying, come and participate in what I'm going to offer you. It's the greatest thing you could ever have. Look at chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver and my knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You think about it to say that what I'm going to give you is actually better than any money or any treasure you could actually find. Now come and get it. That's a big invitation. Look at verses 19 through 21. Same thing. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield is better than choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteous and in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So what Lady Wisdom is saying here in Proverbs 8 and 9 is that she says wisdom can offer you something that physical treasure could never satisfy. I'm going to offer you something even greater than any gold or silver or rubies that you could ever find. One more thing here in chapter 8 before we go back to chapter 9 is really what you see in like verses 23 and following all the way to the end of chapter 8 is you see that God does nothing in his creation without wisdom. Okay? God does nothing without wisdom. And therefore, it's logical to think, neither should we. If the Creator uses wisdom in the way that He deals with us and deals with the world, we are called to use wisdom in the way that we do the same thing. Look at verse uh, 23. 
Ages ago, I was set up. This is wisdom talking. At the first before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first dust of the earth. Skip down to verse 30. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Again, the big point here is wisdom is this precious thing. In fact, it's something that God uses. It's something that God embodies. And if God doesn't do things without wisdom, neither should we. Look back at chapter 9, verse 3. Looking at this invitation to wisdom. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. So she sent out messengers, these people who are prepared to share the message of wisdom. Um, and that's an important theme in the book of Proverbs. Uh, I think you saw back in chapter 1, it says, uh, My son, listen to the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the instruction of your mother. It shall be like a gold chain around your neck. Basically, God says, I have messengers who are out there taking my message of wisdom. Parents, in Proverbs, we see that you are a messenger of God's wisdom to train your children. Train up your children in the way they should go. So wisdom has messengers that she sends out, trained messengers who proclaim this message and who extend this invitation. So we'll come back to that, but we are called to be those messengers. If you know the way of wisdom, you're called to be one of those people that goes out and invites people to follow the way. Here's another one. Look at verse 4. I love this verse. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat my bread. In other words, this invitation is open to anyone. It says, whoever. It doesn't say, those of you who have paid your dues or those of you who are righteous enough. It says, whoever lacks, come to me and I will give to you. Come and receive this. So this invitation is open to all people. Um, Another thing we have to realize in verse 6, leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. It's an invitation to turn away from the other way. Turn away from from folly. From living against God's ways. And that's really that picture of repentance that we see in Scripture. As God says, if you turn, you will live. Turn and live. Repentance is not just turning away from sin or away from folly. It's turning toward God toward the source of life and the life he wants to give you and the way of life, which we call uh, wisdom. And then one last thing here about this invitation from Lady Wisdom is that I think we need to recognize and we need to say this. It's not just an invitation to know more stuff, okay? You can read the Proverbs and be like, wow, I'm a lot wiser now. Um, And I have more knowledge about what the Proverbs say. It's not just another college degree or another master's Uh, degree or even a PhD. What I love about the way that Lady Wisdom says this is walk in the way of insight. It's not just head knowledge. This is a lifestyle. One choice at a time. Yes, it's a big choice to walk on this way, but then one choice at a time, a lifestyle of walking in God's way. It's not just head knowledge. It's skillfully walking through life 
the way that God has laid it out. The word wisdom uh, in Hebrew, I'm going to give you a Hebrew word here. It's chokmah. Okay, you have to like roll your throat kind of to do that. Not kokma, it's chokma. Okay, so that actually means wisdom and it means skill. It means the skill to walk through life and make decisions the way God's laid it out. That's the word we're talking about here. The invitation to wisdom. A walk of, a way of life, it's a walk of faith, making the right choices. When you read these verses in chapter 9, you realize that people can choose to respond in a number of ways to this invitation, right? When you get a wedding invitation, you decide, in fact, a lot of times they say, RSVP, let us know what you're going to do. Can you come or can you not come? And so when we get this invitation from wisdom, the same thing happens in the next six verses. In verses 7 through 12, we see how people respond. How are they going to respond? There's really two responses you can have. One is, the first one we'll see is to reject it, to reject this invitation and go the other way. Or to embrace it and accept it. And I love the fact that this point about how are you going to respond to this message is right in the center of the chapter. It's the heart of the chapter. It's not enough to just know there's an invitation on both ends, but to know right at the center of it, how will you respond to that invitation? Let's read these verses, verses 7 through 12. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you, but reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone alone will bear it. That's Proverbs 9, 7 through 12. I want to go back one verse there. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're going to come back to this towards the end of the message today. But really, before you can possibly think that you can walk through life in a wise way, you have to have a relationship with the Lord. When we talk about the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's the way they described those who had faith in the Lord. It doesn't mean they were afraid, hiding behind trees and afraid of what God might do. It means they understood who God was and they had a healthy reverence and respect for him. Uh, so much so that they said they would do what he said. Uh, this idea of the fear of the Lord and wisdom goes all the way back to Genesis 3, the beginning of creation. Okay, in Genesis, God created the garden perfect. He created Adam and Eve. He put them in it and he said, uh, you can eat of any tree in the garden except one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did Adam and Eve do? They said, we want knowledge. We want to be like God. And so they disobeyed him and then they were afraid, right? If you think about that, that's the backwards way that God is laying out for us here in Proverbs. He says, first of all, fear me with a healthy fear. Fear the Lord, then you will be wise and be able to understand things in the way God wants you to. Humans get it backwards so often, all the way from Adam and Eve. We start out with trying to be wise in our own way. We disobey God to get there, and then we end up being afraid of him. God says, fear me, worship me, trust me, have a relationship with me, 
Then you will have true wisdom and be able to see the world the way I created it. And then one day you will be like me. So we have this invitation to wisdom. And we said there's two possible responses. Number one is to be, is to reject it. And that's what the fool does here in verse seven. We see the, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and whoever reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer. He will hate you. And then it goes on to say, if you reprove a wise man, he will love you. But this idea of a scoffer, rejection by the fools. Um, actually, in Proverbs, what we're going to see over the next weeks is there are actually three different kinds of fools in Proverbs, different words for fool. Um, the first kind of fool is what we would just call uh, the simpleton, okay? Just somebody who's simple-minded, who's gullible, who's easily persuaded to go do this or go do that, doesn't really put much thought into it. So this this gullible, easily misled person kind of destined to make bad choices because they don't put much thought into it. So that's one type of fool. Uh, that type of fool can reject uh, God's way just by being careless. Okay. Second type of fool is what we would call the fool proper. Okay, A proper fool, if you will. Um, you don't want to be any of these types, by the way. Uh, but the proper fool is one that we would say is dull and obstinate, more this idea of stubborn. Yeah, you're telling me I need to do this, but I disagree. I'm going to do that. Kind of stubborn. Um, we would call this a person full of stupidity and stubbornness. Okay, Pro, uh, Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Okay, so that uh, falls into the second category of fool and even more into that third category of fool, which is the scoffer. Okay, and you definitely don't want to fall into this category. The third category of fool is called a scoffer. This is what we would call an arrogant troublemaker. Basically, somebody who is uh, willfully antagonistic or uh, uh, against God. Basically, openly uh, rebelling against God and towards his people. The goal of that person, of a scoffer, is to destroy the pure people in the world and to destroy purity and really just go the way they want to go. So that's an open, openly rebellious person. So those types of fools, all of them in one way or another, reject this invitation to wisdom. Sometimes willfully, sometimes carelessly, sometimes stubbornly. I would suggest that probably all of us have found ourselves in one of those categories or maybe all three at some point in your life. And know this, not one of them is beyond hope or beyond the hope of God's rescue. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here and learn the way of wisdom. Whoever wants to know about the God who saves them can know. So rejection is the first response to this invitation. But the second response we see is this idea of embracing it. Embracing it. The wise person will embrace this invitation. We're going to talk about what it looks like to embrace the invitation. But look at verse 11. It says this, For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. But if you scoff, you alone will bear it. In other words, the destination of those who choose wisdom, who choose to go through life the way that God's laid it out, is life. If you have faith in Christ, if you have faith in God, it's the road to life. Which brings us then in our passage, in this chapter, in chapter 9, 
to what we would call a fork in the road, okay? A fork in the road. And so um, when you, you reach a fork in the road in Scripture where there's a contrast laid out there, you better pay attention, okay? So there's a strong contrast coming our way here in verse 13. Um, and, and basically, when you reach this fork in the road, what we see is it's important to choose the right path. Because the path you choose affects your destination. Okay, last weekend, me and my family were up in the Smoky Mountains. We were on family vacation. And I remember we went on this hike. And we've done a lot of hikes in the Smokies. And invariably, you'll come to a little signpost that has arrows pointing off. And it'll say, go this way to Gabe's Mountain Trail. Go this way to uh, Midnight Hollow Falls, whatever it might be. Um, and so you have to make sure you go the right direction. Because if you follow the wrong trail, you're going to end up at the wrong destination. We went on a hike, a mile and a half hike. Uh, I believe it was Monday, maybe Saturday last week. I can't remember which day it was. They all go together, right, when you're on vacation. We went to this uh, uh, place called Midnight Hollow Falls, which was a great little swimming hole with a waterfall that you could jump off of. Recommend it to anybody. The water is about 50 degrees cooler there than it is here um, and clear also. Um, but it was amazing. If we had taken a different trail we wouldn't have arrived at that destination. It's pretty simple, right? You take the wrong trail, you won't get to the destination you want to go to. That's what Proverbs 9 is saying. Choose the right path. Choose wisdom, and you will end up in the right place. But let's look at this fork in the road. Let's look at the other direction. And what we would call this is the invitation to folly. Invitation to folly. And we, it's actually an invitation from folly. Again, the same thing. This is personification. Listen, we're going to read these verses in a second. As she raises her voice and cries out and says, come over here. I've got something for you. But what we see here is, is an interesting, almost rivalry between wisdom and folly. Competing voices, contrasting voices, and very different destinations. Very different destinations. Folly is the opposite of wisdom. It's choosing to live life in rejection of God's principles or of God's way. Choosing to do it your own way. We as humans love to choose this option. It's kind of programmed into us. Let's listen to this invitation from Proverbs 9 verse 13. It says this, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and she knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So what we have here is this invitation to folly. Folly's crying out saying, come, Follow me. And what's really interesting, you may have noticed this, is that she uses the exact same words that wisdom uses. Look at this. Folly says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat my stuff. Wisdom says the exact same thing in verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat my feast. So we have two tables that are set out before us. Exactly the same invitation, different types of food on the table, but the same words are used. In fact, uh, folly is imitating wisdom word for word. And how 
much like life is that, right? You walk through life and you hear something that sounds like it's just the right thing to do. But you forget to see if it lines up with God's word. And it can take you the whole wrong direction. So this invitation to folly. What we see here is is that this lady folly is loud. Verse uh, 13, riotous. Um, It says she knows nothing. In other words, she's morally ignorant. She's not making choices based on the morals that God has laid out. Uh, Seductive. Seductive. In other words, she sounds great. Sounds like something that I really want to do. And so often, the things that lead us away from God, lead us away from His path, sound really good at first, don't they? Sounds like a great option. It sounds even more appealing. Look at these verses. Stolen water is sweet, verse 17, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You know, sin is often so appealing. Remember Adam and Eve even, they had the entire garden in front of them. And and Satan pointed at that one tree and said, don't you want that? Because you can't have it. Don't you want it even more? And yes, they did. Sin is like thrilling. Uh, the sin nature is deep. So as we walk through life, we have to recognize that oftentimes folly, this other way, is going to call out to us with things that look so good, sound so good, taste so good, feel so good. The thrill of getting away with something. There's something about that, right? I remember as a kid when, uh, in fact, this is a VBS story. I remember uh, the, the director of VBS, Liz Schwint. And Liz, if you're watching this ever, thanks for all you did. But she would tell us, okay, we're in the sanctuary. We're in the worship center for like the intro part. Nobody is to set foot in here until closing at the end of the day. So during the day, we had to get from one side of the church to the other. And we easily could have gone around outside. We easily could have gone through the basement, whatever it was. Um, but guess what? Me and my buddies loved to crawl through that sanctuary because there was a thrill to doing the wrong thing. There's just something thrilling about doing the wrong thing. And folly knows that. The enemy knows that. To try to appeal to us with something that's forbidden, something that looks delicious, or attractive, and yet we know from Scripture that if you give in to those things, it's like a hangover. It might be fun at the beginning, but in the case of, of folly, if you choose the way of folly as the, your way of life, it's like a hangover that never ends. The result, verse 18, he does not know that the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Okay, so if she's a hiking guide and she's taking you on a trip, guiding you along, she's guiding you into the ways of death, taking the wrong path. There's a story uh, from 1846, uh, and this is a, a group of folks that set out on the Oregon Trail, okay? The Oregon Trail was this route from the eastern United States traveling all the way to Oregon, and many of you probably played that computer game, right? And I always got killed by dysentery or something like that. Um, but this this whole thing of, uh, of thousands of people traveled from the east coast to the west coast in the hope of getting their own farm or a gold mine in California, whatever it might be. 
But this party is called the Donner Party. This group of people departed Missouri on the Oregon Trail in the spring of 1846. They left Independence, Missouri. Actually went there on a field trip as a kid. So they left the city in 1846 in the spring, but they were behind many of the other pioneer families who were attempting to make the same trip. So the journey west usually took between four and six months. But they were behind, and so they decided, we're going to take a shortcut. It's called the Hastings Cutoff. So there's this man named Mr. Hastings who said, I found a new route. It goes through a different set of mountains and across a desert, and so it's going to save us all kinds of time. Or he said, anyone who takes this path, it'll save us all kinds of time. So he put up flyers at all these forts and said, take my pass. And so he wasn't there, incidentally, um, to, to guide these people, but he left advice and said, take the Hastings cutoff. It's going to save you all kinds of time and trouble. What we find out later is that Mr. Hastings had never actually traveled that path in a wagon. He'd done it by himself on like a horse. And it was no problem for one guy on a horse. But when this whole group said, we're going to follow that path in our wagons, guess what happened? It was too rough. They got even further behind. And sure enough... Uh, late in the, in the fall, they were snowed in in the Sierra Nevada mountains, trapped by snow. And the story goes on. Their food supplies started running out. They sent out people to get help um, who never came back. And they even uh, people started dying because they were starving to death. They even resorted to cannibalism. Just a horrible story in the saga of, of westward travel. Finally, in the middle of uh, February 1847, uh, people people came to rescue them. And of the 87 members of that wagon train, only 48 were still alive. Over almost half of them had died. All because why? They listened to the wrong voice. Mr. Hastings, a guy who didn't have their best interests in mind. And so this Donner Party is known as the group that took the wrong path and ended up going the way of death, many of them. The choices you make, you pay for. And so this this morning, as we look at Proverbs chapter 9, I think the conclusion of all this is we want to make sure that we are accepting the right invitation. We've got two invitations here in Proverbs. Follow the way of wisdom or follow the way of folly. Choose the right invitation. Accept the right invitation. And what does that mean? You know, if you read the book of Proverbs, the choice is obvious, right? It's an invitation to wisdom. This is not a a commercial for folly and saying, hey, you should go that way. So the choice is laid out there is obvious. But how do we accept this invitation? I think the first thing that we see here in Proverbs and in this chapter is just to know about the hazards. And hopefully you know about them, not because you've experienced them, but because you can see what Scripture tells you. So what are the hazards? And I would just say this, you know, Proverbs warns us about the hazards of rejecting God and rejecting his way and going the other direction. In fact, there's warning signs along the way, uh, just like uh, just like uh, you see all throughout the book. And I would say there's two hazards we want to be aware of, and, and Proverbs talks about both of these. The first one is this, is that you can be led astray by little choices, by choosing folly, not wholesale, but one little choice at a time. So be aware of that hazard. In fact, as we go through the rest of the book of Proverbs, we're going to be looking at different themes. Uh, Themes about how you handle your speech, how you handle marriage, how you handle all these different things. And so Proverbs says, make little right choices as you're on this journey. Because if you don't, you can choose folly one little choice at a time. 
You know, an example of this would be a businessman who gets thrown in jail for embezzling money from his company, right? Usually that person doesn't go on day one of work and just start taking cash out of the cash register or transferring it out of the bank account. No, it's one little choice, a questionable decision here, a little bit there, one little choice at a time. Same thing, we'll see some of this next week when we talk about purity. Uh, an unfaithful spouse doesn't usually just go from being married one day to immediately cheating on their spouse the next day. It begins with one glance, a second glance, a lunch together, whatever it might be. All these little choices add up and take you down the wrong path. And so beware of the hazard of choosing folly one little choice at a time. But here's another one, the second hazard we have to avoid that I think we see in Proverbs, and this is a fool who would try to do this, is to choose both paths. To say, I can keep one foot on the path of wisdom and the other foot on the path of folly. So the, the, the story I'll tell on this one is, I remember in my senior year of high school, I went skiing for the first time. And uh, I got off at the ski lift at the top, had never skied before, and I came to a fork in the road. It said green on the left, black on the right. And one leg went this way and one leg went that way. And I tumbled down the mountain. Okay. I crashed and burned because I tried to go both ways, not intentionally. You call me the simpleton on that one. But uh, trying to choose both paths, trying to choose to stay on both the wise and foolish path, the righteous and the wicked path, success versus failure, life versus death. God says, I'm inviting you to follow the way of wisdom. To embrace the way of life. That's what it means to accept this invitation, is embrace the way of life. That's what God's inviting us to do, is walk down the way of life. The way of wisdom is the way of life. Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. I want to give you four words of what this word embrace means. When it talks about embracing wisdom, what are these four words? Just briefly, it means to desire wisdom. To embrace wisdom means that you want it. Remember all those verses about how it's more valuable than gold and silver? Desire it just like you would desire wealth or fame or friends, whatever it might be. Long for it. Chapter 8, verse 18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. So value it. Proverbs 1.8 again goes back to, uh, My son, do not forsake the teaching of your father or the teaching of your mother. They shall be like a gold chain around your neck. So desire it. Along with that is seek it. Seek it or learn it. Be proactive about learning what this wisdom is. Treat it like a treasure. In other words, actively pursue it. If you knew there was a treasure in your front yard, you'd be out there digging it up, wouldn't you? And so you know there's a treasure in front of you. So seek after it. Do all you can to find it. Embrace it by seeking it. God's wisdom... Incidentally, it's found in God's word. So this morning, as we talk about embracing God's wisdom, how are you going to seek his wisdom? How will you be taught God's word? How will you memorize God's word? How will you help teach others God's word? How will you help them seek it? Embracing means to desire it, to seek it, also to pray for it. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously. In other words, we know we need wisdom. Whoever wants wisdom, ask of God. He'll give it to you. So to embrace wisdom is to ask God for wisdom, to pray for it. 
But here's the last one. To embrace wisdom means to trust, to believe. Because you might say, that sounds great. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk through life on the wise path. I want to do the, the things that are in God's way. And I can glean a lot of things from Proverbs. But I'm telling you today, none of that will matter. None of your desire or your seeking or your asking will matter unless you have a relationship with the God who created wisdom. Unless you know him personally, unless you have trusted him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We are called to trust in the Lord. And only then will you be able to walk down this path of wisdom. Colossians 2 verse 3 tells us that Christ is the fullness of wisdom. In him, the fullness of God's wisdom was was arranged. God says the only way you can know me, the only way you can walk down the path of wisdom is by knowing my son, Jesus Christ. True wisdom is only possible if you have a relationship with Christ. So this morning you're getting an invitation to wisdom. But I want you to know that unless you've accepted Christ, that wisdom can only go so far. Trust in Jesus Christ. Embrace that source of wisdom, that source of salvation. You know, here we are this morning about to begin VBS, this rocky railway. And sometimes you can walk through life, look at this picture on the screen, and you can try to figure out which one of these tracks am I supposed to take? Which path am I supposed to go on? There are many voices in your head, many voices crying out, saying, do this or don't do that. And I would encourage you, listen to him. Listen to the source of wisdom. Listen to his word. Choose the right path. Trust in him and you will arrive at the right destination. One choice at a time. Walk on that path and stay on that path. And that's the invitation for this summer as we look at these different things. I want to invite the worship team, the the band, to come back on stage. They're going to lead us in a closing song here in just a minute. But before they do, I want to close us with a word of prayer. And one more invitation to trust Jesus if you've never done that. Trust that he alone can forgive you and save you and give you a relationship with God. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this chance to look at your word. God, I pray that we as a church family and as individuals would embrace the way of wisdom. God, thank you for inviting us and making it possible. Help us to listen to you and to listen to your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.